Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. ways to interact with free birth society and our work in the world. We have our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth, which is an incredible online course jam-packed with everything we think one would want to know to feel confident to birth in their power. We also recently released a companion course full of meditations, sacred rituals, and journaling prompts to support in releasing fear and tuning in to your ancient womb wisdom. We, of course, have our private membership if you're looking for a community of like-minded, radical, and wild women, and you can apply for that on our website. We offer personalized, one-on-one transformational coaching with a focus on learning the tools to move out of victim consciousness and into self-responsibility, which is, quite frankly, freedom. And it's worth mentioning that if you've been drooling over our Mother Lovin' Retreat in Dominican Republic this coming February, we do have a few spots left open, and you should totally come join us in a magical week in paradise. Find out more about all of this on our website, freebirthsociety.com. joined this week by my friend Michelle, who freebirthed her daughter earlier this year in total courage, trust, and power. Michelle is from Alberta, Canada, and was coerced into a C-section with her son almost a decade ago because of his breach presentation. Having had her birth stolen from Michelle, a fire was lit in her spirit to learn more, become a birth worker, and to eventually birth in sovereignty. Michelle also shares the painful journey of breastfeeding challenges and her incredible commitment to seeing it through. I didn't have the best childhood specifically relationship with my mom. Um, And so I think that had a huge influence on my pregnancies and uh, my birth with with my son. And um, yeah, I I knew when I was expecting my son that uh, I felt really connected to a male energy. And that was a huge relief for me. My mother wound was pretty huge. Mm. And I felt like a daughter, I just wasn't wasn't ready for, um, at that time. So I was married, um, really young, 20, 21, um, pregnant with my son pretty, pretty soon after that. And, um, I thought that I kind of knew more about birth and pregnancy than, than most people did. Um, I was always really interested in it, but somehow, um, just kind of, 
didn't, didn't know enough to, to really take charge of things. So I was, uh, expecting my son. Um, I was in a province at the time that didn't offer, uh, midwifery, uh, wasn't covered, um, in Canada, obviously it's mostly covered, um, by the government. So I did go into the obstetrical system, just not wanting to pay out of pocket and not really valuing Mm -hmm. any other way, not really knowing any other way. Um, we did move partway through my pregnancy with him to a province that did, uh, cover midwifery, but I was, uh, not able to get in with a midwife. So I stayed in that obstetrical system. My pregnancy was challenging. I think mostly emotionally, um, really working through a lot of my childhood stuff, but not super consciously just wasn't, I wasn't there at the time. And, um, yeah, I I didn't enjoy my my care that I received in the system at all. There was a lot of focus on the weight gain that um, amount of weight I gained sixty pounds with him. Um, I yeah, I didn't feel really healthy. I didn't enjoy my pregnancy. I had always imagined I'd always loved pregnant women and thought you know pregnant women are goddesses. Couldn't wait to be pregnant. And then when I was, I just didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think looking back, it was just unpacking a lot of stuff that I wasn't able to really dig into. It's almost like experiencing it as something happening to you instead of you are it like embodying it totally, you know, which is how it's talked about and taught to us, you know, that it's this like horrible thing that just happens to women, right? you know, and then we just have to like suffer through it. And so it kind of, when you, when you describe that first pregnancy, especially knowing you through your second pregnancy and how different it was for you. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like in line with that narrative of like, it's just happening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess kind of moving to the end, um, of my, of my pregnancy, um, I, of course had in my mind that I was going to give birth early and, um, yeah, that obviously <laughs> usually doesn't happen. I think yeah. most women try to predict their birthing times. Um, but in the final weeks, uh, went for a, a visit with the OB and um, I was told I was to have an ultrasound. It wasn't even presented as an option. So I was given an ultrasound in her office and she put the the probe, whatever, you know, right on my upper abdomen under my right breast. And there was his face. And so I knew immediately, um, he was breech. I didn't know before, which is funny looking back because I remember thinking I had the biggest foot ever in my ribs, but of course it was his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just, I think probably like the blood drained from my face. Mm. I was completely overwhelmed. Um, on did the way, you, to- did you know breach meant C-section already? I did then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I, what a terrible I, feeling that must've been. It, yeah, it was, it, I won't ever forget how I felt in her office. Yeah. Um, driving there, I was, to go to that obstetrician. It had been a huge disaster even just trying to find an obstetrician at the time. And I was driving like 45 minutes from my home to to see this woman. And I forgot my cell phone um, when I was heading to that appointment. And my husband at the time wasn't able to get off work. So I went to this completely by myself and Mm -hmm. without my phone. 
um, partway there, I was like, oh, do I turn back from my phone? Of course I didn't. I didn't want to be late for this appointment. And, you know, um, and I, she put it on and she said, oh, you know what that means, don't you? C-section. And I just remember her telling me, we're not going to let you touch your due date. Um, so there was a weird way of putting it. It it was, and it's funny, but you never forget even like the exact verbatim language that they use with you. Yeah. So, uh, she's telling me right there, you know, scheduling a C-section. Um, I think they had scheduled it for Thursday and this was Monday or Tuesday of, of the same week. Um, and Mm. yeah, very overwhelming, very upsetting. I left immediately to try to find a payphone back when <laughs> payphones were still around and uh, to call my husband and just sobbed and told him what had happened. Um, yeah, so that was really, really upsetting for me. Um, I, I considered acupuncture um, as you know, an option to try to turn the baby. But at this point, I felt really backed into a corner. I was told, you know, this is how it's going to be. And she seemed quite pleased when she told me I was going to have a C-section. Yeah. And And you only had like three days. It was, yeah, it was only a couple days. Yeah. I think it was like a Tuesday and she booked it for Thursday. Um, Yeah, it, it was... Yeah. And this is the classic, like, do you have options if you don't know any or whatever the line is? You don't have options if you don't know you have any. Right. Exactly. It's like, if if that's just all that you're being shown, that's what it is. Yeah. And I had done that whole, um, prenatal class that's held within the hospital, which is really just telling you how to be a complicit, subordinate. Yeah. Yeah. So, that should be the title of the workshop. Learn I mean, to be a complicit subordinate. They they spent probably half that class going over inductions. Right? Yeah, of course. So and really normalizing that process, right? Which is totally makes sense. Like that's right that's appropriate because yeah. you're going to get induced. Yeah, yeah, and you'll need an epidural if you're induced. Because, of course. Yeah, and yeah. she told us that too. So, anyways, um, that was really really tough news for me. I really wanted to, to consider, you know, turning him, obviously, um, ECV wasn't uh, offered to me, which I'm glad because I may have been tempted and knowing what I know now, I would never ever do that. Um, so yeah. So when I was thinking about maybe doing acupuncture, I knew that I didn't have any, there was no follow-up. So if, what if he did turn, right. you know, it didn't really matter. She wasn't going to see me again. It was booked. She was going to extract my baby from me kind of regardless. Um, I didn't, I felt, I was just like the roller coaster. So I didn't bother doing anything like that. During my pregnancy, I had been quite nervous about breastfeeding. So I hired a doula more with that support in mind. Um, I didn't even understand why I would truly need one through labor and delivery, um, even going into the obstetrical model within a hospital. So I heard this, this doula, she was um, training to be an IBCLC at the time. And um, yeah, so she agreed to, to come out to the hospital after to help with breastfeeding, just be present. I just wanted somebody to show up and help me that wasn't a hospital staff member. Um, and when I told her about, you know, the C-section, she, 
basically said, well, there's no one trained to do a vaginal birth um, around here at all. So you can, you know, you can try acupuncture, you can try whatever to turn the baby. But yeah, this is kind of your only option for a safe baby, a safe delivery. Um, looking back, I, I wonder, had she normalized any other option for me? Had I, you know, had something like the Free Birth Society, would I have made a different choice? Um, but anyways, that, this is my story. So, um, yeah, on the day that he was, we were supposed to go to the hospital for him to be born. Um, I, I hadn't slept at all the night before. I spent the whole night researching, uh, urinary catheters. I was so nervous about getting this urinary catheter prior, mm. prior to my C-section. Um, and I didn't sleep at all. Woke up the next day. Of course, you're not supposed to eat. If I didn't eat, I was quite nauseous um, and uh, was all ready to go to the hospital and checked my voicemail. And they're like, oh, actually, we bumped you to tomorrow. So here I've, you know, done the fasting, been super stressed out, and I got bumped a day. So my husband went to work, left me on my own with my thoughts, and uh, we were scheduled for the Friday instead. I at least did sleep that night uh, just from pure exhaustion and woke up and went to the hospital. And that again was super disorganized. They forgot they had booked us in. I was hooked up to an IV straight away. We got there early in the morning and I just kept getting bumped back, bumped back. So um, they kept just pumping me with fluids. I was really swollen from all of that. And he was born on a Friday night um, after 9 p.m. And they even said to me, oh, you're lucky you didn't get pushed back. But of course they didn't push me back because they didn't want to deliver him on a weekend. So, um, I spent the whole day just, yeah, waiting to be cuddled. It was really not not being allowed to eat. So I was already told not to eat the day before. My husband Factory, dude. It's a torture factory. It was. Yeah. My husband was sneaking me uh, Swedish berries and the insides of his Oreos because in our minds, those would be like more liquid and less. We were all worried about aspirin. That's hilarious. So yeah, it was so stupid. Um, And so I was starving and not well nourished and um, all of that going into it. And Mm. Um, they asked me if I wanted to listen to music in, you know, in the room. And I just remember laying there and being like, please, it was the worst experience just laying on that table. Mm. Um, and yeah, first question I asked was, is he still bum first? Because I was just so worried. Had he even turned? Nobody checked me. Nobody palpated. There was no very, you didn't get an ultrasound before the C-section? They didn't care. They did not care. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really, really rough. I remember not being treated very well by nurses afterwards. Mm. My doula came right in to help me with breastfeeding. So that was a whole other layer to everything that was going on. Um, and my, the IV had come out. They didn't want to put it back in because they were discharging me. But of course that was how I was getting pain medication. So they just took it out and left me. I, on the way home from the hospital, I was passing, I passed out just due to pain before I could get home and get some, some, like get my prescription filled and get the pills for at home. It was a really terrible, really, uh, traumatic experience. Um, and that was my initiation into motherhood. Mm. So yeah. Oh, so painful. Then I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Then I'm left at home 
breastfeeding struggles, um, you know, no relationship with my mother or support there. Um, yeah, it was, it was really hard with breastfeeding with my son, just because that feels like such an important part of my journey. Um, it looked like pumping a lot in the beginning, um, pumping to get my milk to come in. He didn't latch very well. Of course, um, he was handed off to a nurse or something, um, when he first came out. So I didn't see him right away. And then, and there were no complications or no issues. The hospital that I was at, they didn't allow, um, you to have your child in the recovery room. So I was separated from him for an hour, an hour and a half after his birth. So we had sent him back down to the to our hospital room with my husband and they did skin to skin while I was stuck in the recovery room. And um, yeah, I remember just laying there with male nurse and a female nurse on either side of me and they were just carrying on their own conversation. I was the only person in the recovery room at the time and they were talking about somebody getting drunk or something. And my mind was just blown that this was happening in front of me. There was no professionalism or compassion totally. um, at all. So gross. And um, they, wow. they told me I had to wiggle my toes before I could meet my baby. So I'm just like throwing all of my weight to try to oh. get my foot to move. And then they, you know, quote, let me um, back down to meet my son. So yeah, breastfeeding was a challenge right from the get-go. Um and a lot of, I feel like a lot of the first few days were a blur. I was on painkillers. Um, I had my doula come and do quite a few home visits with me, which I don't know how I would have made it through without that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looked like a lot of pumping. Um, she was working at the Newman Clinic and we were close to Toronto. So I was able to go there for quite a bit of support as well. And they taught me how to use a lactation aid or um, more commonly known as an SNS or supplemental nursing system. And I was able to express my milk um, and then get him to latch and have the flow of that expressed milk at my breast in order to feed him. And so that was how I was feeding him for the first six weeks of his life. Wow. Um, that was, yeah, lots of visits at the Newman clinic, um, lots of home visits with my doula, uh, just to keep me going. And by the end of the six weeks, I mean, I had dealt with supply issues and just the emotional, you know, recovering from a traumatic birth and nobody, uh, around me at all that could appreciate or, um, really validate that experience that I had had. So that was quite difficult to go through in that, Mm. you know, with no support. Yeah. Um, and then after about six weeks and just dealing, oh, I'd had mastitis and my incision opened up Mm. and just really everything that could happen did. So by the end of the six weeks, I had a bit of a breakdown and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I went to, I still wasn't okay with formula feeding him. So I went to exclusively pump and bottle feed him. And I did that for, um, the first, so for six months, and then I was able to introduce foods a little bit earlier to, to my son than I would have, mm-hmm. so that he was being supplemented with whole organic foods rather than formula, or, you know, anything gross. Yeah. And 
uh, yeah, I think I had enough frozen milk to keep him with breast milk until he was about seven months. And then that was the end of our journey. And I had, I had held on to a lot of, uh, regret, I think is probably the best word just about that. I really wish that I had, had not only been able to give him my milk longer, but to have had that relationship with him that I feel like we both just really needed. So I have really valued breastfeeding and breastfeeding women, um, just a lot, just because of that experience that I had. Mm. So yeah, that was my son's birth and, and, um, babyhood. Um, I definitely didn't feel ready to have more children for quite some time after that. And you became a birth worker in that, in that 10 year gap, right? Later, um, I started really gravitating to friends who were birthing um, in the system and just really wanting to inform them and have, you know, just provide information of, you know, what to expect and what you don't know going into it. Because I felt like no one told me. Um, and uh, if anyone was, you know, struggling with breastfeeding, I mean, that just pulls my heartstrings yeah. and I would, you know, be there for you know, my next door neighbor, my, you know, friends, you know, anybody I knew that that was having any trouble, or that would be the first question I'd ask, like, how is breastfeeding going? Um, and that was sort of my uh, beginning in the birthy world, I, I still was holding on to a lot of my own unprocessed trauma. So I didn't feel ready to totally. dive in yet. Yeah, that's good. That's responsible. Yeah. So um, fast forward a few years, uh, my marriage had ended. Um, we ended up back in the province where um, I was pregnant in, um, I've gone back and forth across the country a couple times. There's been a few big moves. Um, so we, we ended up back out West again and, um, marriage ended and, uh, it was, um, a few years ago, I, I, I guess like 2012, I got a copper IUD, um, really not wanting to do any hormonal birth control. I had suffered from autoimmune illness that was idiopathic. Um, so no one really knew what, no one in the Western medical world really knew what was going on with me. And, um, it was, something that really affected my quality of life for a really long time. And I really didn't, was just really not wanting to ever be on any pharmaceuticals if possible. And, um, I still needed to be in order to function. It was pretty severe. Um, but I definitely didn't want to be on birth control. That made me feel absolutely terrible, if not suicidal. And I just knew that that was really bad for me. So I chose copper IUD thinking that was a better option. And, um, other than, you know, really feeling it inside of me, like all of the time, just being hyper aware of this foreign object inside of my womb. Um, it worked, I guess, quote worked, Mm -hmm. um, until it didn't. So I did conceive with the copper IED. Oh my God. I did not know that. Yeah. So I knew I had had some bleeding for 
probably a month before I really clued in. Wow. Um, and it got really heavy. I remember there was one day at work, I think I bled through, luckily I had clothes in my car, but I bled through uh, two changes of clothes after what I had been wearing when I got to work. And I was like, okay, something is really wrong here. Um, and I went and bought a pregnancy test and of course it was positive. Oh my gosh. And I knew it was ectopic when, (gasps) when I took that test, I knew something was really, really wrong. Yeah. I would be very nervous to find out I'm pregnant on a copper IUD given how toxic it is. I, yeah, totally. Oh, wow. The funny part of that was when I had that positive test, I called my girlfriend and uh, she was working. I had to actually call her at work and get her coworkers to bring her to the phone. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And she's like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, Kate, no, but I have an IUD. She's like, yeah, me too. What? So we both got pregnant at ex- like exactly the same time with oh a God. copper IUD. And were they, what was her pregnancy like? She has a, she has a four-year-old. Oh my gosh. Okay. And yours was ectopic? It was. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know what to do. Um, I had felt that it was on the left side for whatever reason, like I could feel something. So I kept saying, I'm pretty sure it's on the left. Like if you're going to spend any time, you know, looking somewhere, um, and the doctor there thought that she felt thought she could feel it by palpating on my left side, which of course she could not. Mm -hmm. Um, but she had, you know, in her mind convinced herself that she could feel, feel it on the left side and Mm. sent me in an ambulance to a bigger hospital. And, um, yeah, it was just complete chaos. I had more transvaginal ultrasounds than Mm. I can count. Um, and some of them were quite humiliating. Um, even one specifically with, um, a man, um, and yeah, just him telling me he couldn't find it. And basically that this whole situation was all in my head. Whereas someone else told me with a different ultrasound, it was the size of a kidney. It probably was a kidney they were looking at. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. So that was a real nightmare. And, um, I, they wanted to, I had in the, in the, I actually had to go to the hospital, leave that hospital. They discharged me, basically thought it was all in my head. Um, I did follow up with a GP. They were doing blood work just for HCG levels every 48 hours to monitor that. It kept going up for a while. Um, I ended up back in another hospital and I remember these two, I don't know if they were interns, but they're two younger female doctors. And of course they send me to like the maternity floor, which was really upsetting when you're having an oh my God. and they seemed really excited. Like they got this case with this ectopic pregnancy and, um, that was just, yeah, it was really gross. They wanted to, they presented me with two options, um, an injection of, I think it had to be two injections of methotrexate, um, or, uh, they offered to surgically remove my fallopian tube. Whoa. And I was like, okay, wait, no, (laughs) I'm not having surgery. Like you're not taking my tube. Like I need that. And the other option of of having the methotrexate, I did a little research on my phone because they didn't present me with much information um, about it at all. And I realized that it was um, used to treat cancer 
and that it depletes your body of folate. Having dealt with um, an autoimmune illness for so long and it being idiopathic, and I just felt like if I if I'm injected with this, this could really ruin my life. Like this wow. could just destroy my health. Um, and it was already something that I was really struggling with. So I said, no, thank you. And um, I'd like to go now. And uh, I continued um, doing, I think I had another ultrasound after that just to make sure it wasn't getting bigger. I, I'm not too sure why I went for that one, but I was, they did continue to monitor me and I um, was okay with that, with doing the blood mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that you know, it wasn't growing. But so did they, sorry if you're going to get to this, but like, so then nothing really, they didn't really do anything. So I was just like, the options they gave me were like, hell no. Right. Right. Totally. So I went and I bought some moonstone because at the time that felt like the most supportive thing I could do. And I meditated and I visualized letting go of this pregnancy and it worked. So hell yeah, um, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. What? So, yeah. So I, I was able to, um, I saw those, those numbers come down. I c- did continue doing the blood, the blood work every couple of days, which was absolutely brutal. Um, the, the man in my life at the time was, um, the brother of the man that I worked for. So here I was leaving for all these appointments. I felt like everybody around me kind of already knew. I felt like he had told his sister had told his brother and it was, it was really traumatic, um, just being in that environment and leaving for all of these appointments. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really rough time. So I didn't, get the IUD taken out right away because I really just didn't want anybody to touch my body. I hated, really honestly hated the medical system. I had no good experiences in it at all. Um, And I started just really focusing on uh, my health and uh, started going down that journey with naturopaths and acupuncture and chiropractic care and um, educating myself. And that felt like, yeah, the most important thing at that time. And that pregnancy felt really influential in my eventual um, entry into birth work. Um, yeah. A couple years after that, um, I had been pretty much following, um, well, you know, my, my version of the um, fertility awareness, uh, awareness method. I wasn't monitoring cervical fluid, but I had been monitoring my temperature and my cycle. Mm-hmm. And that was my method of birth control um, at the time. I did conceive again. Um, I had mostly been monitoring my cycle that month. And then I had a huge argument with my partner and I hadn't seen him for a week. And I just was like, oh, fuck it. I'm never going to see him again. And I just stopped monitoring Mm. uh, my temperature. I would have ovulated very late that month um, and knew exactly when I had conceived. And um, 
yeah, I was very concerned when I did conceive because of what I had gone through with my previous two pregnancies. They were obviously really medicalized and I felt like, oh, I'm high risk. Um, so I did go for ultrasounds early with that one, which knowing now, I think right. that could have contributed to that miscarriage. Mm. Um, but also where I was in that relationship at the time, um, it wasn't good. And I felt like what I had learned from my ectopic pregnancy was that I could really uh, go inward and release this pregnancy. So I didn't want to, I, I felt that I didn't want to carry on with the pregnancy. Um, my partner at the time definitely didn't want to, and that was really heartbreaking for me. Um, so I, I focused on releasing the pregnancy, which brought me a lot of peace to be able to do that just with, again, just meditation. Wow. Um, so yeah. So after that experience, my relationship ended, that was completely devastating, um, having had a miscarriage and then, um, the end of that relationship. And that sent me on a path of deeper, um, spiritual discovery and growth. And I put myself in, in therapy with a really great, uh, therapist who did EMDR. And we nice. just really started to dive into what I really needed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what the next bit of my life looked like. Wow. I had, um, printed off. I remember I printed off like you know, doula certification, just like one of those standard courses. I printed off the pages of all the requirements and I'd had that sort of in the back of my mind for a couple of years that that was something I wanted to do and didn't feel ready until I felt like my whole life just got completely turned upside down. And I was, you know, when, when you feel like everything's just kind of been, you know, ripped out from underneath you, you can start over somewhat fearlessly. And I started changing my health and changing my life. Uh, cannabis was a huge part of my healing journey and um, really helped me get off of all the pharmaceuticals that I was on and, wow. and relieve, I mean, in combination with all of the other work that I was doing, um, I no longer have any symptoms of this illness that I had had for um, pretty much my entire life. Wow. Um, and just, yeah, a lot of healing. And then that felt like the right time to go in and do some doula training, which of course, um, you know, I'll skip over most of that, but <laughs> it really didn't, um, it was really eye opening to do a, uh, more standard training and just the way they spoke about things and, and how triggering some things were. And it just didn't resonate with me at all. Um, so that started to open me up to more radical birth keeping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my, my pregnancy, that was my free birth. Um, I, I feel like it was somewhere in between a conscious conception and not. Yeah. When I, I was wondering too, like, when did you start to align with wild pregnancy and free birth? Was it prior to conceiving her or oh, during? Oh, absolutely prior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, I'd attended a 
bunch of hospital births that were really traumatic for me. Um, just to witness what was going on was really brutal. Mm-hmm. And um, I met my partner um, and he, you know, he had, I remember, I think I went to a birth like within the first week or so of meeting him and him calling to check in on me afterwards. And I think he FaceTimed me and I was just bawling like mm. uncontrollably and yep, been there. Yeah. And that one was, that one was really hard. Um, and really started to open my eyes that this isn't a rare thing. Like yeah. this is like, this is like everyone that enters the system. The people that report having, um, you know, good births in, in my from my perspective are really just conditioned and they just Mm -hmm. don't really understand that there was abuse in their birth. Um, so yeah, witnessed a lot like that and then witnessed a birth that was an accidental unassisted birth. And that was so eye opening. My doula training that I had taken, they were, you know, unassisted birth is irresponsible. Don't ever, you know, you can't do that if you want to certify and, um, just really, yeah, that was sort of, and I I didn't really, that didn't resonate with me when they said that, but it also put a little bit of fear into me about it. Oh, totally. Of course. I remember for me that Part of why I was so susceptible to the brainwashing of unassisted birth being like something a doula shouldn't support is I think I also was experiencing this feeling of professionalism and pride to be aligned with this like new career. And so part of that initiation, I just didn't give it much thought. It was like, oh, okay, we don't do this. Like, okay, you know, I was so, I was so easily um, influenced because I was so proud to have found like a path. Right. I can relate to that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I definitely wanted to be, um, like accepted by, by these women that were mentoring me in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just serendipitously had ordered some, some supplies prior to this birth, probably like, you know, some electrodes for my TENS machine or whatever. And in with my order, I was sent a quote, emergency baby catching kit. And I laughed and I remember thinking, oh, I'll never put myself in like a situation where I'm, you know, before a midwife can arrive or whatever. And, you know, tucked it into my bag and, you know, went on to this birth. Of course, I didn't need anything that was in that kit. It was just really funny that it arrived um, right before that had happened. And um, I witnessed this woman have a a VBAC at home that like she wanted when her midwives would have otherwise had her, they wanted her to go to the hospital. So they were okay with her laboring at home. And then they wanted her to go to the hospital um, to deliver her baby. Um, And she ended up getting her home birth um, just like she wanted and it was beautiful and no one, you know, was messing with her. And, um, yeah, so that, that birth really, uh, changed things for me. Any other home births, I still saw so much intervention, 
Um, and yeah, I think even though she didn't intentionally free birth, um, and it, you know, she still had the midwives there for part of her labor. They, they actually left thinking that she was, you know, she was four centimeters and, and then had her baby 45 minutes later, which was just beautiful. Um, so it wasn't, it truly wasn't a free birth, but it, it really changed how I thought about free birth. Yeah. I found your podcast and really started to just dive into that. And that's what really changed my mind about free birth as being a really wow. valid option for women um, to birth. I knew before I had conceived uh, my daughter that I would be having a free birth um, and a wild pregnancy. Just, mm. it sounded absolutely great. And it was something I was really comfortable with. And it was something that I had talked to my partner about before we had conceived. And I guess why I say that it wasn't, you know, a, a truly conscious conception. We weren't um, really trying, but we weren't preventing anything. We mm -hmm. felt he had, um, he was concerned that he had some issues just with his own fertility and he had had his sperm tested and was told it was you know, quite, quite low and that we might have some challenges. And I was first not wanting him to go get that test at all, just because I feel like part of the journey is, you know, you don't need a doctor to give you a number and, um, you know, and does that even really mean anything? And how will we act once we know this information? Cause and all of your previous pregnancies have been with the other guy. Um, yes. Well, okay. the first one was with my ex-husband and then okay. I had, yeah, in between. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so this is a new partner and we were concerned that, that we wouldn't be able to conceive. And I had an experience, um, with mushrooms, um, a couple months before conception and I had felt my spirit baby around me for a while. Um, I, I definitely felt like um, in this, in this specific experience that I had, I felt her with me and I felt the call to be with her earth side. And I was very emotional because I didn't think that in reality that that was going to actualize for me. I didn't think I was going to conceive. Um, I felt like she was waiting for me to do some work on myself, um, that I needed to grow before she would join me. And I cried the whole time and, you know, mm. I just want to be with my daughter. I just want to be with her. And I felt very clearly a knowing that she was, you know, she told me her name, it was Wolf. And, um, mm. I told my partner this and he's like, okay, like, yeah, you know, we have a daughter, her, her name's going to be Wolf. <laughs> so he was, yeah, that surprised me. And I thought that was really cool. And two months later, I conceived and mm. I was absolutely not expecting it. It really wasn't um, planned. My partner and I weren't actually living together at the time. Wow. Um, and yeah, and there she was. I found out on, it was a summer solstice. I had a little bit of spotting. Um, I wasn't expecting to bleed for another few days. And I knew, I knew when I saw that, I just knew it was like implantation bleeding mm -hmm. and that I was pregnant. I did take a test. I would love to do to have, you know, a pregnancy where I didn't Me feel too. the need to do that. I know. But I did. I absolutely did need to, to be on a stick. Yeah, we found out she was 
on her way. And mm-hmm. I knew that it was her. I, mm-hmm. I really felt uh, deeply connected to her and I knew it was a girl. So, um, got, of course, get a lot of questions when you're pregnant about, is it a boy or is it a girl? And I, I would tell people, well, I don't know for sure, but I think it's a girl. And of course she was, um, there were some really hilarious signs, uh, during my pregnancy, just seeing like wolves in, in like the funniest, settings um that just made me laugh and I try to take pictures of all these you know funny things where they popped up um and I just really felt her with me um I felt really comfortable doing a wild pregnancy um and so I did um I felt really healthy during my whole pregnancy I actually felt so much better than I had throughout my pregnancy with my son aside from morning sickness and the first trimester. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, I didn't weigh myself at all. That had been something that was focused on so much in my first pregnancy that I tucked my bathroom scale away, um, and haven't taken it out. So I haven't weighed myself in quite a while. How did you navigate the potential concerns around having another ectopic pregnancy? I think by this time, I I didn't have that fear. When I got pregnant after my ectop- ectopic pregnancy, I still was really holding on to that fear. Like, what if it's ectopic again? Um, I just didn't feel that it was. I felt that I had my baby in my womb. I felt that I knew where my placenta was. I felt that I knew where she was. Um, I just didn't feel that I needed to do that. I did have a bit of a freak out, um, probably between like 11 and 13 weeks when someone on Instagram had had, um, a baby with, um, just some birth defects and some issues. Mm -hmm. And that sort of sunk in like, wow, I'm trusting myself. Mm Um, how like, yeah. So I had to really go through that. And my partner and I had, um, yeah, we had a bit of a rough time kind of deciding that he, when he saw my fear, he then wanted me to have, just have that, you know, nuchal translucency ultrasound, make sure everything is there. And I, I, part of me wanted to just go and do that. And then this other part of me, of course, knowing about ultrasounds, but feeling, I felt just like anger at the thought that somebody wanted me to have an ultrasound. (laughs) Um, and he had spoken to his sister's friend about her experience and, and the whole harmony blood test came up as an option. And when other people were saying to me like, Oh, do you know about this? You know, you could just go do this. I was like livid at the suggestion that somebody else wanted to tell me what I should do. And it became very clear to me that I didn't want that. I didn't want any of that. I wanted to really dive in and do the work, um, that I was being called to do, with this pregnancy. And I wanted to really prepare to be a mother, um, of my daughter. Beautiful. So yeah, I went forward and had a completely wild pregnancy and really enjoyed it. And, um, I guess I can just take you right up to my birthing time with her. Sure. Um, I, of course, sitting and wondering when, when things would be, I had never experienced labor and I was really looking forward to 
experiencing labor and everything. Mm. Just wanted to feel everything. And um, I had a bit of an inclination as things got closer. Um, some, you know, just some sensations for about a week beforehand, um, nothing painful at all. And then the Monday, I think of the week when I had her, I lost like just a little tiny bit of my plug, um, and knew that things were kind of moving along. One gift I had really been given of, you know, walking with women is you learn from them. Of course, they, there's this, you know, assumption that you're guiding them, but it's truly just witnessing women when you walk with them. And that one really influential birth that I had attended, um, it was a VBAC for her, her, she had had a son and, uh, quite a bit, bit of a gap in between having her daughter. And I felt that I could really just relate so much. There's so much of her life that I could relate to. Um, and, the fear for her that her midwives had placed was that, you know, this rupture that she'd had, you know, one layer of suturing instead of two when they pulled her records and therefore it would be safest to have a hospital birth. And then of course she went on to have her baby at home. So I had witnessed this and that really removed fear for me. I just didn't, it just didn't, uh, there was no concern for me with, with rupturing. Um, I was also nine and a half years in between. Um, so I just felt like, yeah, there was no fear there. I felt like I had perfect body for birthing my baby and I was going to do that at home. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, um, moving into my birthing time, not knowing even how long I gestate babies for, because my son had literally been extracted from my body before Mm. labor had begun. Um, and I think I was 38 plus four when I had my son. So I expected to go longer. I fully anticipated going, you know, 41, 42 weeks would have been absolutely fine with me. And that was sort of what I had anticipated. And um, labor began for me at 5.30 on a Thursday morning when I think I was 49 weeks. I think it was yeah, it was about 49 weeks. Um, and it hit hard right from the get go. Um, I was honestly anticipating a bit of an easier, more relaxing, um, early stage of my labor just to sort of get into the flow. And, um, that was not at all how, (laughs) how it went. Um, it, yeah, it was really hard just back labor from the beginning. Mm. Um, I was throwing up nonstop from about five 30 in the morning until about noon. Um, I connected with you in between and the suggestion of an Alka-Seltzer came up and that saved me. I sent my partner out to go get me an Alka-Seltzer. And I remembered we'd done your course. Um, I, we, I sat my partner down and he was so willing. He's like, so into birth. It's hilarious. Um, so he, he was watching all of that and, and stuff with me. And that, that actually really helped me because in order to get him to, to, to be as supportive as I needed him to be, I would have told it like, honestly, if he was like, I'm not comfortable with free birth, I would have been like, great, you won't be there. Uh Um, but it really was so helpful for us because I didn't want to be the one to answer all of his questions. I didn't want, 
it was just so draining every time it's like okay i'm fine with free birth but what if the cords around the baby's neck it's like here go and sit with emily and yolanda and watch these <laughs> videos and then you know you'll be good and it was so helpful it answered all of his questions he felt prepared i didn't have to be the one to educate him and that was really great so yeah it's such a good point it's such a good point like the information's out there guys yeah <laughs> you like, d- like just because you're the one gestating the baby it doesn't need to all fall on you right and I felt completely comfortable with it so I just didn't want to even like the notion of having to justify it felt like I had to justify choices anytime I was educating him so sending him to do that was just wonderful nice. um and uh I did initially want my son to be present um for the birth of his sister but when labor started and it was hard, honestly, from the first sensation, um, and I was throwing up, it felt good to send him off to school that day. So he went to school and he was fine with it. He said, you know, he wanted to be there if I wanted him there. And um, he was really sweet and he, he knows lots about birth and he's watched me go off and come home from births and videos. And um, that, so that felt really special to share with him. He's also very aware of the fact that his birth was a cesarean yeah. and how I feel about that, but how I've learned so much from that and how um, that's really shaped who I am. And that's been an important part of my story as much as I wouldn't choose it. Um, it has been a great part of my story. And, uh, yeah, so he's, he was involved in that way. Um, he did go to school. I carried on laboring. Um, once I had really decided to address the fact that my nausea was fear. Um, and I knew exactly what it was when, you know, you had suggested that it was already in my mind. I'm like, I know that this is why I'm experiencing this. Um, and a lot of it was letting go of that, like 13 week, didn't have that scan, didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, any outside person telling me that my baby is okay. So I felt really great being pregnant with her. I felt that she was safe inside me. I, I really enjoyed being pregnant and um, letting go of her and like releasing her into this world that I'm, you know, constantly being awakened to just all of the work that is needed collectively right. in, in this world. That felt so um, overwhelming for me. Wow. And when, um, yeah, when I, when I started to unpack some of that and I knew I needed to do that work during my labor, um, I did turn to, um, another woman in our group. Um, and she was on, you know, we were texting quite a bit and I was just like, okay, I need to, I just need to be witnessed right now. Um, I need to share all of my fears because I'm not going to, make it through this process the way I need to, unless I, I, I just need to be witnessed. And she was amazing. Um, and you know, sort of my like spirit birth keeper from afar, which was amazing. So um, this was, you were just being witnessed through text. FaceTime text. text. Okay. Yep. I was just like, I need to tell you everything I'm afraid of. And, um, yeah, I just need to get it out. Oh, that's so beautiful. It, yeah. I was able to move through the nausea that felt like the biggest hurdle because just every time my body was just like completely just tightening up and it was, it was really hard. Um, I, yeah, completely moved through that. It was just lifted, um, and gone. And I didn't deal with nausea again throughout my labor. Um, so 
yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, I was experiencing a lot of back labor, so I wasn't able to lay down at all during my labor. I wasn't able to sit back. Um, it would just bring on sensations that were really more, more difficult to move through if I was in, um, a reclined position at all. Um, so that made getting rest really, really difficult. Um, labor continued, um, pretty, pretty much, um, the same, same kind of deal, just back labor, um, into that night. And I remember the, the first night, so it was quite a long labor. I guess I shouldn't say that to you because you know what a long labor is. Um, but over, it was long though. I think over 25, 24 hours is long. It feels long over, over 24 hours. That's How long sure. was yours? 34 and a half. Yeah. I think, I think when we get past 24, we get to say it was long. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, the night was really hard. I feel like that was a dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember being in my room and um, asking my partner to like take a picture of my backside. I wanted to see the purple line. I was like hyper focused on is there anything, you know, just like pathologizing anything that I can mm-hmm. and what's going on? What's, you know, when is this going to be over? Am I progressing? And just like really yeah, dealing with that. And I wanted to reach out to you, but I knew I had to wait until the morning because of course, like, you know, you'd be, you'd be sleeping. Um, and it was the longest night ever. Um, Oh my God, you totally could have reached out, but whatever. (laughs) I was waiting. Um, and I knew that, um, just like with back labor, I really felt that like she needed help getting into the right position. Mm. Um, so I, of course, was like looking up spinning babies and just trying to do whatever I could to try to make it move forward. Um, and, uh, I couldn't get through the spinning babies exercises. Um, they were, it was painful. It didn't feel helpful at all. It felt totally counterintuitive. Um, I, yeah, my partner was encouraging me. He was like reading off of, you know, his phone, how to do each part of it. And I was just like, I can't, I can't. That sounds awful. It was, it was, that was the worst part. Um, I live in an apartment. So in order to do the stair portion, we're like, okay, we'll do like the stairs in the apartment. And we walked out, just like opened the door and the light in the hallway and just like the, the, the energy in my hallway felt so wrong. Um, I felt like I could feel people in their individual apartments and I knew who was awake and, um, it was just completely intense. And I'm like, I can't go out there. I can't go out there. And he's like, yeah, you can. Like, we just got to do the stairs. And I'm like, no, I can't go out there. And I refused to go out into the hall. So we scrapped that plan and just came back into the bedroom. Um, and at one point my, my lamp in my bedroom just like spontaneously turned on. And I felt like, that was a sign. I got chills and I felt like, okay, I'm being supported. This is where I need to be. And like, everything is okay. Mm -hmm. So that like lamp turning on was really (laughs) the most helpful thing that night. And I waited (laughs) until the morning. 
um, to call you. Um, I had been in touch with a chiropractor. I have a really amazing chiropractor who's been just so supportive of um, me and how, you know, my choices and just my own journey. And I reached out to her thinking maybe an adjustment would help. And I kind of knew there was no way I could actually get in a car and, um, get to her office for an adjustment. Um, and then I just remember you being like, don't leave your house, like bad idea. And I was like, okay, good off the hook. Don't have to do that. Um, and I'm really glad I didn't. Um, I remember you saying to me like, Hey, yeah, this could be going for like another day. Um, and you know, you gave me a bit of a pep talk about surrendering and I knew that I really needed to listen to that. That was what I needed to hear at the time. Um, and I decided to just go forward. I think I was, you know, muttering, just take me. Mm -hmm. And I was talking just birth, just to myself, just, Mm -hmm. um, you can have me just take me. And I was just trying to relax my body and just like, Mm. let, let my body do what it needed to do. And, um, that was, yeah, really after you told me it could go on for another day. And I was like, Nope, surrendering full, full on right now. This baby is coming today. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I spent a lot of the last part of labor, um, on, uh, just, I had some meditation pillows and I had laid them out in the doorway of my son's bedroom. Now he had gone to his dad's house. He wasn't here. And I'd set up this little like inlet inside his bedroom. It just felt like the coziest place to be in. And I just started peeing into, I had what I'd previously been using as my purge bucket. And I would just pee in between sensations into this bucket. I could not get up and think of going to the washroom, nor did I care to. And my partner was great at, at emptying it for me every time I needed him to. And, uh, yeah, I spent quite a bit of time laboring there. Um, I really loved having unlimited hot water in my shower, in my apartment building. Um, I got in there, I actually sat on a birth ball, uh, had that set up just in the, in the bathtub so that I could sit on it and just let like hot water hit my back. Um, which felt really great. I was doing double hip squeezes on myself, um, because my partner was really great. I had, I gave him the rebozo and taught him how to use it ahead of time. Um, but there'd be some times where he'd just get kind of the wrong spot. And, um, so I just started doing them on myself and I sent him away and I just spent kind of part of the end by myself, which was really, really wonderful. Hmm. Um, then when I was still in the shower, I could feel, I just reached inside and I could feel something and I knew it was the sack. Um, my water hadn't broken and I knew what it was. Um, and I called my partner over and was trying to get him to like, look and see. And, um, like, uh, yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, and then, is that when I got those crazy? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, right <laughs> that was awesome. And she's then, like, just for context, she's like texting me photos on WhatsApp of her water bag coming out of her vagina. And I'm like, dying being like everything's fine just put the phone down I was so I was so in awe and I was so proud like look at what my body can do and um that I was just really 
that shifted things for me. And I sat there with a hand mirror, just like staring at my yoni and watching this sack just emerge from my body. I just couldn't believe that you guys... So it was it him sending me the text? No, that was totally me. I was like, I I reached like a very calm. My transition was like super calm. Um, I felt like recentered and um, I completely in awe, just like witnessing this process and like visually seeing this bag emerge from my body. Um, so I sat there for quite a while. Um, and then it did hit a point where I was like, okay, I'm really ready for this to pop. The pressure was pretty substantial. Um, and part of me was like, oh, I could just like pop it myself. But knowing that, um, you know, things unfold obviously perfectly when you just leave them alone, I wanted to make sure, you know, we didn't have any issues with cords and stuff if I were to, to pop it myself. And I just really wanted an undisturbed birth. And that meant leaving, leaving it well alone. Um, and it did eventually pop. And once it did, um, I stood up with my legs, just like I held my legs together and I stood up in the bathroom, like looking in the mirror, just trying to be like, all right, like, you know, what's coming now. And, um, I started kind of pacing a little bit around my apartment. My partner was like, you know, that there's like water leaking from you. Right. And I'm like, yeah, just clean it up. Like who cares? Um, and, um, I think he was like, what is she doing? You know? Um, and I ended up going back into the bathroom. Um, I hopped into my empty bathtub. Um, and I was asking, I I think I kept my legs kind of together for a while. I was like, I'm going to wait for the fetal ejection reflex push. I, of course, it started to take over and I'm like, no, I'm not going to put, I don't even know what I was doing, but I was, I was, uh, it was a lot, a lot of sensation. Um, and I asked him to pass me a hot face cloth and he had no idea what I was asking for with all of these things or what my thinking was. And it was really funny to talk to him about it afterwards, but he did, he handed it to me and I just held it on my yoni because I felt like when she did start crowning. Um, I did feel like I was tearing. Um, and I was, uh, yeah, wanting just holding that on there felt so good. I didn't plan to do any counter pressure or hot compress or anything like that. And it felt so good to just hold that there and to, to relax and to push into that. Um, and then I, I don't even know what he was thinking because he went to go get me a refill of my drink as I was crowning. And um, I called to him from the other room saying, the baby's coming. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm just getting you a refill. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, I guess I'll just have the baby then. And her head came out and then he came into the room and he's like, oh my God, there's a head. I'm like, yeah, I told you the baby is coming. And then, um, he was trying to film things, which was like super awkward. Although I'm really happy that I have the videos and the pictures and she just came right out. Her head came and it was like quick turn and, um, and she was right out right away. And she let out a cry one, what, while she was crowning. Um, so I had already heard her and then, um, the song Mushaboom came on, which was really 
funny because that's the name of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was on a playlist of like a hundred songs. So it was pretty oh, random that it came it. on right as she came out. Mm-hmm. And I, he was worried that I didn't catch her. She came out onto the, the bathtub floor, which was totally fine. I was in a low squat and, um, I just reached back and I grabbed her and I looked and, um, I think I said, I knew it was you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw it was her, and yeah, it was the absolute best feeling in the world. It felt like I was, you know, reunited with this soul that I was meant to be with. Um, yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, and then Man, you totally did it. It was the yeah best best feeling, most proud, accomplished feeling I've ever had. Um, especially, I feel like after a long longish labor. Um, yeah. Yeah. I worked for her and it was amazing. Hmm. Um, and then we called my ex-husband and asked him to bring over, um, my son. And so he came over within about 30 minutes. Um, and they came over and, um, I, I came over and hopped in bed. So I was in bed holding her when, when my son arrived and, um, yeah, they, you know, he brought us food and stuff, which was really nice. It was so beautiful to see my son, see his sister for the first time. And I also enjoyed my ex asked me like, so was there a midwife here? Cause I'd obviously not disclosed to him. And I'm like, Nope, I did it myself. And it just like, I, I don't even know. It felt because I had shared the first birth with him right. and it, it, it felt really good to, to just be like, no, I, I did this on my own and everything was great. Um, and then my placenta took quite a while. I wasn't worried. It never really bothered me. Um, but I, you know, I think you had sent me a message at one point, like, okay, it's time to go finish your birth. (laughs) So I took that cue and, um, I tried squatting with, with my daughter in my arms and I tried squatting just to, to try to, to get that out. And I had a really difficult time. So I ended up kicking out my partner and my son, um, from the room, shutting the door, went into my bathroom, um, turned off the lights, um, just held my baby. I put a towel over the toilet. Cause that's a trick that I've seen work a lot for women with placentas and just put like a little bit of a space in the middle, um, of the towel so that it could come out and it did. And, um, we called my son, I think we'd sent him to bed. We called him back out of bed. It was pretty late at that point because we wanted to burn the cord. And so he was involved in, in burning the cord. My son and my partner burned the cord. And, um, I think we all just, you know, crawled into bed and went to sleep after. And it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty wonderful. Oh, so good. So victorious. And just, you know, I mean, a lot of these, that's what these stories are, but like, this is such a, like the heroes, the Shiro's tale of, of transmuting your trauma into power and finding your instinct and your womanhood and letting that blaze the path for your family. And you fucking did it. And I needed it. I really, I really needed it. Um, so then just, I guess, to quickly touch on breastfeeding, I was nervous about breastfeeding, um, another baby just because I had so much trouble with my son breastfeeding him. Um, 
And I, but I felt like I knew what to do and I knew how to troubleshoot. And I was really determined that my daughter was going to be breastfed. So I initially felt like um, I was able to get her nursing. And I thought for the first couple of days, okay, things are going okay. Um, I did realize that her, her mouth was really dry and I, uh, my milk had taken quite a while to come in. So her, her nursing wasn't effective. Mm. Um, and I was really devastated. That brought up a lot of emotion for me. Um, so I ended up getting a fever and dealing with that because typically emotions for me manifest as physical things. Mm-hmm. So I, I initially thought I had mastitis. I did not. I just developed a fever and I knew that it, that was just a call to do a little bit more work um, and that this was my situation. It was really me being upset about my situation being what it was and, and um, not being able to experience that flow of energy and n- nourish my baby from my body was, was really devastating. So I already was prepared with uh, lactation aids and a pump and I just got to it and wanted to keep her at my breast because I still had goals to um, exceed, you know, kind of what I had reached with my, with my son and our journey. And I can imagine the, the devastation of, you know, it was probably easy in a way to be like, oh, well, of course the breastfeeding got messed up with my son because I had a C-section and all this right. stuff. And then you did everything quote unquote, right. In terms of biological mammalian, yeah. yeah, undisturbed birth. And then there was still serious challenge like that. Oh, what a it was really devastating. Cut. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I w- just refused to use bottles or soothers or anything because my nipple in itself is quite different. Um, obviously any bottles or soothers are different than a, a woman's nipple, but just very different than my nipple. Um, so I kept her at my breast with lactation aid, knew that she was eating. Um, I did seek some help with a, uh, lactation consultant and had her tongue. She had a tongue tie and a lip tie, um, and had those released. I do not feel that they were released properly and to witness your child go through pain for something that doesn't end up helping. I kept with chiropractic just because I had a good relationship with my chiropractor and that did feel really supportive for us and then um, just kept working at it. So I really cut out all the things, lactation consultants and cranial sacral and anybody that I didn't feel like was really Um, anybody that had their own opinions, I just cut all that out and really just went, uh, with my own intuition and feeding her. And then, um, yeah, we struggled for, for quite a while, uh, lots of pumping, lots of, you know, lactation aid feeding. And, um, about three months in, I was able to feed her at my breast without a lactation aid and really see a lot of drinking. Um, that was really wonderful. Um, which happened again after really supportive visit from someone else really amazing in the free birth society. Um, and I think that sisterhood and, and it was a weekend away in nature and barefoot hikes and Mm. all of that, um, really helped. And it hasn't been perfect every feeding since then. And there was a, a bit of a gap in between where it felt like we were kind of reverting back. But now I'm able to, to breastfeed my baby without any tools, not all of the time. Um, but that is 
like it just feels like the biggest accomplishment oh my gosh Michelle that's Um, such a big deal yeah so that that feels really good I still pump afterwards just to make sure I'm fully draining my breast and I top her up um but it's better than I imagined that I would achieve um at many points and I look forward to seeing where we can take it. And as she gets older and her latch is better and her melt is stronger and um, I unpack more of my own shit, um, it just seems to be getting better and better. And I hope that you know we can go past one for sure and maybe I can stop pumping. And um, once she's eating food, I, I won't worry about that so much. Be able to just relax and let her nurse and let her get what she can. And I, mm-hmm. I just look forward to seeing our journey through as long as it feels good. And it feels really good right now. Wow. That is so inspiring. That is such an important story that needs to get told. Oh, wow. You're amazing. That is such a big, big thing to navigate you know, virtually on your own, not just the breastfeeding, but the whole thing, like learning about your body and choosing a wild pregnancy and, and, you know, being a single mom for so long and, and then, you know, becoming, you know, coming into this pregnancy with your other pregnancies and Jedi meditating them away. And I mean, just everything, everything like, wow, you are an incredible woman. And I know this story is going to go far and wide and inspire many, many women around the world. So thank you so much. And I'm, so freaking excited to meet you and hug you at the end of this month. Yeah, me too. Thank you for witnessing me and for building this community that has truly changed my life and for sure the lives of so many other women. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.